630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Hey, it's only minus 36 with the wind chill. It's time to let Inside Sports warm you. Let the show envelop you like a blanket. That's our mission tonight. It's Reed the Blanket Wilkins with you. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Thank you very much for tuning in. Just two games in the NHL tonight. The Blackhawks lead the Canadians 2-0. That's with six and a half minutes left in the first period. Coming up in a few minutes, the Flyers will take on the Blues. The Oilers get the win last night over the Predators. They did not practice today, but they did make news. A contract extension for Caleb Jones. Two years, $825,000 per year. So he signed through the end of the 21-22 season. You'll hear from Caleb Jones in about two minutes. Also tonight, I have a full interview with the new head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, Scott Milanovic. That is coming up at about quarter after six tonight. I want to play this clip, though, from his uh, media scrum today. The new head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos was asked about his demeanor during games, specifically in comparison to the demeanor of the previous head coach, Jason Moss. Yeah, let me say this first, though. Jason Moss is an extremely close personal friend of mine. I think the world of Jason Moss. So um, I'm never going to go over that line to where uh, it may appear that I'm being critical of him. I'm a different person than Jason. My dad taught me as a young quarterback that on game day in particular, uh, you've got to be calm because the players, this was as a quarterback, the players are looking to you and I believe in that and and that's why I conduct myself there that way on game day. Now there's times and Jason could tell you this too behind the scenes where I will lose it and, and those things will happen but game day is just a little bit different for me. I try to keep it composed and like we've got that thing under control at all times. And Milanovic also announcing his coaching staff today. A.J. Gass returns as special teams coordinator. Noel Thorpe was with Ottawa. He's the new defensive coordinator. Demetrius Max remains on the defensive line. John McDonnell is the new guy for the offensive line. Winston October former pretty good player in the league, will be the wide receivers and pass game coordinator. And Derek Oswalt is the defensive assistant. Now, Milanovic is going to be the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback's coach, and also a special teams assistant. And a full interview with Milanovic again coming up in about six or seven minutes. Well, he has a new contract with your Edmonton Oilers. Please welcome to Inside Sports defenseman Caleb Jones. Caleb, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for coming on the show tonight, and congratulations on the new contract. Tell me about getting this done. Here we are the, the middle of uh, January, and there won't be anything to worry about after the season and moving towards free agency season. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's it's been something that, uh, you know, it's kind of been talked about for about a month or a month and a half here, and, um, you know, it feels good to get it done and you know, kind of have that uh, kind of pushed to the side. Now I can just focus on uh, hockey and I'm trying to, you know, trying to get better and, and keep growing with the team here, and um, I'm, it's an exciting day for sure. This, this season for you has been an interesting journey, Bakersfield and Edmonton. You, you've been in the Oilers lineup more often than not lately. How have you sort of felt about that process? I mean, I think you, you know where you are kind of on the depth chart and how the, the coaching staff is, is using you. So how, just how do you feel about your role on the team? Um, yeah, I, I've also I was saying I was a little disappointed at the start of the year, obviously to go down, but 
Um, you know, there's I know there's only kind of one way to get out of there, and you have to play well. And you know, I kind of tried to, to keep a good attitude and um, you know be positive and play well. And I was fortunate enough to get the call, and uh, it's been exciting. You know, we've kind of had ups and downs here. Right now, we're, we're on a bit of a streak, so hopefully, we can keep that going. But as far as my role, um, I'm just trying to contribute any way I can right now, and, and kind of get the coaching staff's trust. And I think I'm I'm doing that right now, and I'm just trying to establish myself as a NHL player and. Um, you know, whatever role I'm given right now, I'm just trying to fill that to the best of my ability. Well, you brought up a good word, and that's trust, and that's the challenge for young players, right? Because a coach might not know them very well or might not have seen them, them play a lot. So who's sort of working with you the most on the coaching staff? Would it be Playfair that kind of you're doing the most one-on-one stuff with? And, and if so, what are they emphasizing for you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's Jim for sure. Um, he's kind of just emphasizing they've all been kind of talking about making uh, defensive first mindset. And that's kind of been a big thing with, you know, me and, and Ethan and the whole decor as a whole is, um, you know, defending hard and, and trying to get the goals against down and the shots against down. And, um, you know, as a whole decor, I think we've been doing a good job of that. And me personally, that's something that I had to really work on, you know, down in the American league for the last couple of years to, to try to make myself a legit NHL player. And, I think I still continue to grow my game here at this level now, and, and I think I'm rapidly getting better um, you know, every day working with Jimmy, and, and I'm already starting to see um, you know, some positive you know, signs coming in my game on that side of the puck. All right, Caleb Jones joining us on Inside Sports. Defenseman with the Edmonton Oilers gets a new two-year contract extension today. He's signed through the end of the 21-22 season. Last night's game over the, the Nashville Predators, uh, I, I mean, it's 2-2 after the first period. You guys got the goal in the second period and were able to, to put it away. It, it just felt like one of those games, Caleb, where it's uh, it's been a long year already and both teams were kind of... Try, just slugging through that one, trying to get the two points, and and you guys were able to make make enough plays to win. How did it feel on the ice? Yeah, um, we we kind of were a little bit um, mad about that Calgary loss, so we were kind of chomping at the bit there to to kind of get two points. And it's a tight division or a tight uh, race right now in the whole Western Conference. I think you know two points might be separating you know first in our division to to fifth in the wild card. So. It's you know, every game kind of matters right now, and Nashville's right there too. So every game's kind of a, a playoff atmosphere. But um, you know, we just try to take it one game at a time, and, and we told ourselves we're coming home for two before we get a nice long break. So it's let's just bear down for two games. And I thought last night, um, you know, we we checked well, which which uh, Tippett wants us to do. He wants us to make sure we're checking hard and playing a really hard, solid game. And I thought you know every guy on the roster did that last night. So if we can bring that against Saturday Arizona, we're going to give ourselves a chance to win, and we'll give ourselves a chance to win every night as well if we play that way. Caleb, good day for you. Thanks for fitting us in on Inside Sports. We'll see you at the rink tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Reed. All right, that is Caleb Jones from the Edmonton Oilers. New two-year contract extension, so it'll kick in at the start of next season. $825,000 average annual value. Jones with three assists in 23 games this season. He's minus five, averaging 13-18 of ice time and uh, probably a good addition there for the Oilers to build a little depth on D.
Milanovich is the new head coach of your Edmonton Eskimos after three seasons with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Before that, he was the head coach of the Toronto Argos. The Eskimos with a special luncheon today featuring Milanovich and the new coaching staff. And I got to sit down with Milanovich for this interview. Well, Scott, uh, you know, wel- welcome to Edmonton and welcome to a slight temperature differential from Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be here. It's, uh, it's cold, but uh, yeah, we're having a good time. We're getting a lot done. Just t- take me through the last five or six weeks or so, you know, the decision to, uh, to decide while you're still with the NFL team to, to come to Edmonton and, and how that process sort of played out. It was an interesting one. It may be a little different than what we've, we've seen with some other coaches. Yeah, it was. Um, I got a call from Brock. Um, found out that they had given permission, and I wasn't sure at that point really how interested I was. So he, he came down and we talked, and I got more excited. Um, started looking at who we had player-wise. Started thinking about the history, kind of facility-wise, the backing, the support that we get. Um, and the more the more I learned, the more excited I got. And um, once we came to terms on, on a contract, it was something that uh, you know that I was excited and really pumped to do. When you're in Jacksonville for three seasons, what what do you think? I mean, maybe this is kind of a wide ranging question, but is there one or two things that you really learned and you felt you grew as a coach from your time there? It's hard to kind of quantify one or two things. I, I learned a ton. Um, I always kind of watched Coach Marone and Coach Coughlin with you know my eyes uh, as a former and hopefully future head coach again so I was evaluating what they did and whether I agreed with it or, or didn't agree with it I, I took the things that I thought worked for me and my personality and and um, I think that'll make me better uh, from uh, X's and O's leadership all those things just getting a chance to work with from an offensive perspective two different offensive coordinators that, that had widely different systems there are still things that um, that you find that you can kind of implement with what you do. So I do. I feel like I learned a ton. I th- feel like I grew as a coach. I feel like I'm a better place now. When you you compare the uh, the offensive approach to the two games, I mean, look, everybody knows different downs, different number of players, mm-hmm. different field sizes. We, we, we get all that. Is, is there a subtlety or detail that you think, you know, an average fan watching the game might not realize is a big difference between the CFL and the NFL when it comes to attacking? Or maybe it's not as crazily different as we think. It's pretty different. Um, the two downs is, is vastly different. So... For instance, if you're going to run the football and it's not a six-yard gain on first down, it's a negative run for me, and and that's that's widely different than, than down south. Just the, all the motions, um, the coverages are you can kind of uh, link them into things that you see uh, in the NFL, but they're when you put them all together, they're different because there's an extra guy on the field. So, like when guys come up from from down south, I can still hey, this is kind of the NFL's version of cover two and things like that. Um, the, the kicking game, the, the the clock management, all those things, the, the last three minutes of a game and a half, those things are, are vastly, vastly different and vastly more difficult in the CFL. So um, there's quite a few differences. Scott Malavich joining us on Inside Sports, new head coach at the Edmonton Eskimos. You come to a team that uh, has a quarterback who's well-established in the CFL, had a really good year last year when he was healthy, had a historic playoff game against Montreal. What's your scouting reporter, Trevor Harris? Yeah, obviously I was with Trevor in Toronto when he first came into the league. Um, He's smart. 
great grasp of the offense. Very, very accurate. Gets the ball out quick. Um, doesn't get credit for for how good he is uh, movement-wise in the pocket. I mean, he's not a scrambler, but he, he'll buy time. He'll slide left. He'll slide right to, to find a little bit of an extra click so he can get, get the ball downfield. So all those things I kind of knew after he left us in Toronto, and I just think he's gotten better and more confident, and I think he, uh, I think he knows his place in, in the CFL now. There, there were a couple of problems that, that plagued the team the last couple of years. I know you weren't here for them, but I, I want to ask because, you know, fans are hoping or saying we got to get better in these areas to win more games. The team at times took a lot of penalties in games. How does the head coach impact the, the discipline of the team? How can a head coach reduce the number of flags against the team? Well, it starts with, with the desire from the players. One of the biggest things I talk about is... You know, today's players are, with with good reason, they have their eye on whatever it may be, a new contract. Uh, can I get into the NFL? And in their mind, they do those, they accomplish those goals. A lot of them think they have to do that by getting statistics. So um, when you can get the players to start thinking in terms of team first, that's what, what a lot of the young guys don't understand is all the Grey Cup championships I've been on there was cohesive locker room. There was accountability in the locker room. If a guy took a bad penalty, it didn't have to be the coach that said, hey, hey, man, what are you doing? You're hurting the team. It, it came from the players. Once you can start to build that where there's accountability in the locker room, uh, then it's much easier. And that goes with having good character guys that, that you know care about something other than themselves. Now, as a coach, um, there's a number of ways that, that I can can help with that, and I will. Um, we'll make it a priority. We have to do a great job as coaches of coaching it in practice. It's easy for a coach to gloss over a penalty in practice because it doesn't hurt them. But those are the things that, that um, you know, if you're building negative habits in practice, they're going to show up on game day. So there's a ton of different ways. Um, I don't like to try to find them. Uh, you know, they don't make enough money to. I don't want their money. But um, there's a number of different ways we can we can work on that. You're also going to be the offensive coordinator. I mean, head coach and offensive coordinator, Scott. I mean, you just love stepping into the roles that get criticized, right? You're going to get a double from everybody. But but seriously, um, you know, the Eskimos at, at times could be a team that really moved the ball efficiently. At times, they got stalled. And there were a lot of questions about, you know, adaptability, wrinkles, things like that. I mean, obviously a team has an identity and things they want to do well. But what's your attitude towards, you know, when you meet those moments where, man, just what we're doing isn't working? Well, that's not a good thing. <laughs> that's not a good thing. We start with ball security. All the other things that we talk about are secondary and way down the list because that's the one stat that year in and year out is going to going to determine wins or losses. We start there, both offensively, defensively, and special teams. Um, there's other things that are important to me. I, I mean, we start with protecting the quarterback. Uh, we'll build the offense around the quarterback. But the thing that's become more noticeable to me in the past 10 years is the explosive play stat. And um, defenses have gotten better. Guys like Noel Thorpe and Chris Jones and Orlando Style, all those guys, all those great defensive coordinators have adapted and they're better on defense. It's difficult to go 14 plays and not jump off sides or drop a pass or miss a throw. Um, so we, we've got we've to find ways to, to get explosive plays. Okay. Uh, and just tell me about the, the coaching staff uh, you've assembled. Some guys back from last year, some new faces. 
well, or new, new faces yet coming back to the Eskimos. What was it like just putting everything together and, you know, so many interconnecting relationships in the world of football? Well, it was difficult because I was working in Jacksonville at the time, so that was much harder than the first time I had to do this. Um, fortunately, I knew I wanted Noel. I didn't need to interview Noel. Um, so when I got him and I was still working, really doing two jobs, he was a help. He, he helped me do some things from his end because I wouldn't be able to start working on the staff until I was done at night with uh, with Jacksonville. So it was a difficult process. I, I leaned on Noel. I leaned on my connections in this league. Um, offensively, John McDonnell, uh, Winston October, they, they both uh, worked with Jamie Elizondo, who, who I've worked with on a number of occasions, came highly recommended. It's a similar system, so um, I felt comfortable with them. Um, Demetrius, I spent some time with here last week, just talking to him. He's He does a great job. He, I mean, you can see the way our defensive line plays. Um, um, who am I missing here? Uh, AJ. So, Noel, with his background in special teams, he came into the league as a special teams coordinator. Um, Noel spent some time with AJ when I was in Jacksonville. I spent some time with him on the phone. Um, so, we kind of kind of double interviewed him and and I relied on on conversations I had with people that knew him I did not know AJ but he came highly recommended so the more I've gotten to know him I feel great about uh, great about that hire so um, yeah all these guys it's funny how it comes together but um, yeah it uh, it worked out in a, in a kind of a difficult situation I'm really happy with who we got just and just one more hasn't gone very well on Labor Day lately for this team <laughs> You're, I hate to ask you about a game eight, nine months away, but you know what it means. Yeah, I, I coached in it from the opposite side years and years and years ago, so I understand the Battle of Alberta. Um, right, it's it's a long way away, but um, I know our guys will be amped up to, to try to rectify that, and so will I. He is ready to go. Scott Milanovic, the new head coach of your Edmonton Eskimos. More on him and the coaching staff on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Happy for your feedback as well. You can call or text 780-496-0063. Big news in the NHL today. Another coach fired the Vegas Golden Knights. Gallant out to bore in our buddy Brian Blessing with the lowdown when we get back. Tonight, you just heard from Trevor Harris's new coach with the Eskimos, Scott Milanovic. You heard from Oilers defenseman Caleb Jones, who signs a contract extension today. Two-year deal worth $1.65 million. So that'll run through the end of the 21-22 season. NHL tonight, Blackhawks leading the Canadians 2-0 after one. Partway through the first, Flyers and Blues, no score. The Oilers don't play again until Saturday. They will take on Arizona. Arizona final game before the All-Star break in the bye week. It'll be an 11.30 a.m. face-off show here on 6.30 Ched, and the game will start at 1. We have a lot to get to tonight. Our weekly feature guest, Kelly Rudy, is going to join us between 7 and 7.30. We'll talk to an Edmonton Oilers fan who has uh, taken a bit of an interesting twist in the key in the Cassian Kachuk rivalry she's actually re- using that to raise money for charity and is doing quite well 
in that pursuit. So Sam Costa is the fan's name. She'll check in tonight. And we're going to have Zeus on the show. That's right, Zeus. Zeus McClurkin from the Harlem Globetrotters. The Globetrotters are here next Saturday, January 25th, 7 o'clock at Rogers Place for their Pushing the Limits World Tour. You can get tickets and more information at harlemglobetrotters.com. And uh, Zeus will be on at 7.30 tonight and a very entertaining, athletic, and tall gentleman who has made some incredible trick shots in his life, and he's going to tell us about that. Another coach fired in the National Hockey League, Kelly McCrimmon, the GM of the Vegas Golden Knights, tells you why he fired Gerard Gallant. Uh, As a manager, uh, sometimes you have a feeling uh, that something isn't uh, the way you, you need it to be or want it to be. We feel... Uh, we've underperformed uh, a little bit, and certainly that's not to pile out at the feet of uh, Mike and Gerard. But uh, you know, sometimes you feel uh, a change is needed. So that was uh, uh, you know what went uh, into the decision. Uh, like anything we do, we try to do what we genuinely believe is in the best interests of the Golden Knights organization. Gallant, 118, 75, and 20, a 601 points percentage, pretty good. Jack Adams in 17-18. You know the story. They went to their cup final. They went to the cup final in their first season. Now he's gone. The new guy is Peter DeBoer. More McCrimmon. Uh, I think Peter's a really good coach. He's had a lot of success uh, in the National Hockey League. Uh, of course, uh, with him working most recently in the Pacific Division, we've had uh, a chance to watch his teams play. I think that his teams are always uh, very well prepared, very well coached. Um, we expect that he'll uh, do a really good job for us. I think he's a very respected coach uh, in the industry. And, of course, DeBoer just fired by San Jose on December 11th. The Pacific Division, extremely tight. Arizona, 57 points. Edmonton and Calgary, 55. Vancouver and Vegas, 54. Vegas, a new man at the helm. They've lost four in a row as they try to claw, claw back into the top three in the division. To discuss our old friend from Vegas, from the Vegas Hockey Hotline, it is the one and only Brian Blessing. Brian, how are things, buddy? Are you saying, like, we're old friends, or are you saying I'm old? Well, can it be both? <laughs> well, it is It is both. You, well, you, well, exactly. So I'm just being appropriate. You're being factual, that's all. How you doing, bud? I, I'm doing great. It, it's uh, it's cool to have you on the show. I know it's a, a busy day. I've I've been a through a few through a through these days a few of these days when a coach gets fired. I got to admit, Brian, and you're there, so I want your perspective. I did not see this coming. I knew the Golden Knights were not having the season they wanted yet, but I didn't see a coaching change coming, giving the credentials of the man they they let go. What's what's going on there, man? No, it was a shock. It was a shocker read. I'll tell you that, but but uh, you know it's funny. I, I will say this: that uh, I, for quite a while, kind of alluded to it. Didn't make too big a deal of it, but I could never shake the at some point, pending how this season ended, that the Gerard Gallant Steve Eiserman connection was always out there for me, and. I thought that was one of those moves where they throw a Brinks truck at him and he'd be on the ground floor of something going up and the window here in Vegas would flurry. He's a couple of years old. So I think the line ends up with Detroit pretty quick, personally. It just may, it, there are other opportunities, but that one just kind of sticks out. I guess you could say Seattle, but I can't get past Gallant and uh, Iserman's connection. But, you know, to the point that 
this team has underachieved and been inconsistent this year. Uh, you know, he didn't get stupid overnight. I think there's a lot of things. Uh, the team's just been very inconsistent. They're going to have – the timing was odd, Reed, because, you know, the trade deadline, you got it in a month. You got the front office that could sit here and really do something to, you know, spark a change through a trade, and they've been very aggressive at the trade deadline the last couple of years. It, it makes you wonder uh, how long was this in the works? Uh, maybe did DeBoer have something else, another uh, iron in the fire somewhere, where maybe they felt compelled that that had to be done quickly? And then there are a myriad of reasons why it could have happened. Another reason this is surprising to me, I mean, every time we talk about Gallant, oh, the players love him. He treats the players well. He goes to bat for his players. He, he knows how to motivate them. He's got that mentality. He's maybe hard on them, but they, they always understand what he's saying. And now I look at it, gee whiz, two and a half years isn't actually very long to be with a team that you're supposedly doing such a good job coaching and motivating. Well, Again, we've always wondered. I mean, we don't know. We're not behind closed doors. But what's the McPhee-Gallant relationship? What has that been like? I mean, you could conceivably could go back to when McPhee gave up a first, second, and a third-round pick for Thomas Tatar in the year they went to the finals, and Tatar really just didn't play that much. Uh, then last year, McPhee hustled to get Gusev here for the playoffs, and Gallant didn't play him. And then Gallant, and then they didn't sign him you know, in the summer months. Uh, I know you just always wonder what that relationship was like. And I would say this to you, Bill Foley, uh, the owner wants to win and he wants to win yesterday. And Bill Foley's an army guy. And I think he's very much of the belief that, uh, you know, there should be a disciplinary hierarchy or a chain of command. And if quote unquote, the description is it's a player's coach, uh, that's fine. Uh, but, you know, I mean, maybe the owner thinks there should be a different approach where it's like, hey, it's my way or the highway. And, and you know, I think the other thing, Reed, you know, and I, buddy, I've been with you now doing this for three years. And honestly, in, in the first year around here, I was the only one saying this. There you go, because it was Haley's Comet. It, it, it was a Disney movie. But throughout the course of that year, I said, the one thing nobody's talking about is these guys are mercenaries. 14 of them were UFAs or RFAs. They were all playing for dough. And now they all got paid. And we've been around hockey a long time. It wouldn't be unique to the Golden Knights when you see, you know, some guys when they get money, uh, they're just not what they were. And then they go haywire in the contract year. Well, they all got paid at the same time. Well, that's a great point. And what did they call themselves that first year, the Golden Misfits? So you factor in that motivation as well, whether it was true or not. Hey, we're the guys nobody else wanted. Oh, now look what a plucky little team we are. So that it, it's it's just very interesting to see yeah, what Vegas has back, gone through. Like this, back, Sorry, go ahead. Buddy, back then they had a chip on their shoulder. Now they've got a chip on their credit card. <laughs> Yeah, you know, how, how how long did it take you to think of that one this morning? Honest to God, I just made that up. I swear to you, I'm I'm dumb, but I ain't stupid, buddy. <laughs> That's a beauty. I, I, I well, I'm going to use that one. I will credit you, but that that is definitely worth uh, worth using for sure. So as as the Golden Knights move forward here, the new coach comes in. We'll we'll see if he can get more out of the players. We'll see if they actually were underachieving, like Kelly McCrimmon said in that clip. What, what do you need to see to them to believe 
they are the Golden Knights of the last couple of years? Because let's face it, last year they should have gone to the sec the, to the second round. Or is this a team that is lacking uh, some depth or some firepower in some key areas? Reed, they're not the team. I mean, okay, that that one year, throw it out. It's dead and gone. But the first year, that team was a rocket sled. I mean, they tilted the ice on teams with speed. All right, great. Last year, you get Pacioretty. He was hurt, I think, for long stretches last year. He's been terrific this year. Nothing special last year. Then you get Stone. Well, now they're a, they're a hybrid. They're a mix of speed and size. And on many given night, it's disjointed. The, the flow is just not there. It was a four-line greased wheel in the first year. They're still trying to figure out how to play. Now, go on, maybe, you know, from an X's and O's perspective, they deemed he couldn't figure it out, and maybe they think that DeBoer can't. But what you're seeing around here, I think they got. They definitely need help on the blue line by the deadline. I think they need a big, physical, puck-moving right shot defense. Know any? I mean, they don't grow on trees. Yeah, That's few teams need. need that. Yeah. And, and you got you know, you got to give up something to get something. Uh, so there's certainly that aspect of it. But the bottom line is watching them on a nightly basis, Reed, when they play fast teams, and I mean speed demon teams, they got a problem. Well, that's really interesting because we've said that about the Oilers a lot over the last couple of years, even though they have the fastest player in the National Hockey League. The Oilers and Vegas Golden Knights will go a long way towards determining each other's playoff fortunes because they still play three times and i gotta tell you this brian the the one meeting so far of the season between these two teams and i know it was almost two months ago i would probably put that as a top five performance of the year all round for the oilers so maybe from a vegas standpoint you're sitting there thinking that's maybe one of the golden knight stinkers of the season well, they've had many, uh, but I mean, you know, many many teams around the league have. I'm reading, they were just down four nothing after one last week before the road trip. They were down three nothing after one, three nothing after one, and then four nothing after one to L.A. For God's sake, uh, you know, I mean, they weren't getting the memo that the game started at seven oh five, and you know, I mean, what is the coach supposed to do? Go out and kick the soccer ball with him in the hallway before the game? <laughs> Well, he could try orange slices halfway through the first period, maybe. I don't know. Oh, man, I, well, and, and then of course around here, you know, you got you know the, the fans because everything's been it's been uh, you know it's Dorothy. There's no place like home. Oh, you can't boo the boo the home team. I was like, pardon me. I said, you're down four nothing to the Kings after 20 minutes. If, you, if you're going to go give them pom poms on the way to the locker room after that, that's going to be the norm around here. <laughs> All right, so from the the fans you interacted with today, and look, we have well established that you know hockey, you know the whole myth about oh, it's a it's a hot part of the world. I mean, there are passionate hockey fans there, whether they're from another part of the uh, the country or they've already always followed hockey, or they've got into it the last two and a half years, which is fine as well. What's the what's the overarching reaction today? Oh, fans are mad. They got a stone in their shoe. Uh, they, you know, they love this guy. And the funny thing is, I mean, they made this own. Make, they made their bed by being this ridiculously successful team out of the gate as an expansion team. And you know, I always said, you know, the, the first year, Reed, you know, if they got sixty points. Those guys would have still been the lovable first and reunions for twenty years. But they went to the Cup final. You know, and, and the thing is, 
people are now dealing with a hockey team. They got the disappointment of how the playoffs ended last year with a call that they still have a stone in their shoe over. And, oh, by the way, now DeBoer shows up. <laughs> They're not happy about that because they hate everything San Jose. Uh, but now you, you know, you're dealing with ups and downs and adversity. It, it's not a Disney movie anymore. I mean, we, we all go through this. Like, listen, I'm a Sabres fan, pal. 50 years, congratulations, celebrating 50 years. Made the finals twice and didn't win at either time. People around here think it happens every year. Brian Blessing joining us on Inside Sports from the Vegas Hockey Hotline. Okay, last one for you. I mentioned the standings, how close it is. The Oilers are on a nice little push lately. They'll try to win one more before the break against Arizona on Saturday afternoon. If if I may, I'm going to make it predict right now. We're not going to worry about the wild card. Who's your top three in the Pacific at the end of the year? Do you think Vegas can crawl in, and if so, who with? Uh, end of the year to me, I will go with Calgary, Arizona. Forgive me, and Vegas. We don't have to I, forgive it, you for anything. I, I did. I didn't pick the Oilers I, to make the playoffs I, I before the season. This to you, McDavid and Drysital are amazing but you know it's two guys it is 82 games uh, you know but maybe maybe vegas is just so disjointed but the board does have a track record of turning things around and getting quick results uh, i just think i think the depth of vegas's talent they'll be fine and but the bottom line is it's the pacific division bud you, you know what we're dealing with here in this division all you got to do is look at the standings you want to rank them in order, I mean, I'd probably go Metropolitan, Central, Atlantic, and then the Pacific in terms of strength of the division. Yeah, can't argue with you there. Brian, what, what a fascinating team to follow. Thanks for giving us the inside look at the Golden Knights and the coaching change. Of course, we will do this again. Hope you have a great evening. Hey, Reed, thanks. Hey, real quick, if I could, we just started a brand new thing. It's called the Hockey Betting Podcast. I do it with Cam Stewart. I don't know if you know Cam. He's from Toronto. He's hysterical. Um, and uh, I put it out on my Twitter, Brian Blessing, but it's at betchriscanada.net. And, we, you know, it's all things NHL. It's a lot of fun. Okay, yeah. No, I'm glad you gave that a plug. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Hey, Reed, always a pleasure, bud. Talk soon. That is Brian Blessing, Sportsbook Radio, Vegas Hockey Hotline. Interesting time for the Golden Knights, and he, I liked how he put it. They were a Disney movie. Now they're an actual hockey team going through bad calls, playoff disappointment, and a bit of an unexpected coaching change. And the Golden Knights is so tight in the Pacific Division. I mean, the Oilers went from fifth to second last night. Vegas was first a few days ago. Now they're in fifth. There's going to be a lot of movement. The Oilers don't play again until Saturday, so teams could potentially pass them while the Oilers don't even play. He thinks Vegas is going to get it together and be in the top three with uh, with Calgary and Arizona. I still think that Vegas team can go on a run. I know they're not as good as the first-year team. Still think they have enough there to go on a run. It's up to Peter DeBoer now to help make it happen. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. It is seven minutes before seven. Or 6.53, as you kids say. 
This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. I will tell you this, Kellen Kennedy. Kellen Kennedy is our beautiful studio producer working on the other side of the window in the Well, thank you for tonight. the compliment. Well, Okay, so the the hottest place in Edmonton right now might be this talk studio. Yeah, you Six got all the doors is, open in it there. It is alarmingly hot in this studio. I, I, I don't know what happened. I've heard some rumors that when this building opened in 1927. <laughs> Seems like it. And, and Bob Layton did his first uh, newscast that morning. I think it was September 18th, 1927. He had his, his bagged lunch, and he got so excited at the first newscast, he did like a whoop, and he threw his lunch bag up in the air, and it got lodged in some vents in the ceiling. And that, the bagged lunch is still affecting the airflow through the building, and that's why it gets so hot in this studio. So is that why I smell fried chicken all the time maybe in here? It's, maybe it's an urban legend. Maybe it's an old wives' tale. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. But that's, that's what I've heard. But it, it is... Mm. It is actually disturbingly hot in this talk studio. Vic texting in 7804960063. Speaking of speaking of good guys, Vic's a good guy. He said I love that line from Brian Blessing. They played with a chip on their shoulder, now they play with a chip on their credit card. Well, fair comment. It's a team the Oilers are going to have to beat. Oilers still play Vegas 3 times. They still play Calgary three times, play Arizona twice. They are done with Vancouver. That season series went 2-2. A slight advantage as well that the Oilers have at the moment, and this is one of those things that can change quickly, the Oilers have the tiebreaker on everybody in the Pacific Division because they have the most regulation and overtime wins. So you want to have that row. You want to have the regulation and overtime wins, or and also the regulation time wins. Edmonton has more than any other team in the division, so something. To, that's why right now Edmonton is ranked higher than Calgary, even though they have identical records. Next up for the Oilers is the game on Saturday against the uh, Arizona Coyotes. Hey, I encourage you to do this. Go to 630ched.com. Go to the contest page and look for the Global News 630ched Skate with a King. Now, this is all in honor of minor hockey week. Global News 630 Ched giving one minor hockey team a major league experience at their next practice. We're going to bring not one, but two Oil Kings players, Atkinson and such, to skate with your team at the next practice. The winning team also gets tickets for the whole team to an upcoming Oil Kings game. You can register your team at the 630 Ched contest page for this once-in-a-lifetime experience that is the 630 Ched Skate with a King contest. And, of course, the Oil Kings, one of the best teams in the entire world of major junior hockey at the moment. We get a break for the 7 o'clock news and weather. Kelly Rudy will check in. This whole Kachuk-Cassian thing still has everybody talking. Kelly Rudy, when he played... Uh, he could be a bit of a mouthy guy himself. I'm sure he might have a tale or two about a player that he might have went at. Zeus is on the show as well, 7.30 tonight. Zeus McClurkin from the Harlem Globetrotters. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.